Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a quick two-game set, not a quick second game, but a a two-game set against the Atlanta Braves, splitting the short series one game apiece. The Red Sox are just one half of a game behind the Tampa Bay Rays for the American League East division race. The Yankees are one game back behind the Red Sox in third place. Still a very tight race. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? What? Oh, getting tired here. These rain delays, man. This happens probably, this is your first full season on the podcast, and this probably happens on average twice a year. So uh, we're a third of the way through the season, so I I think that average will be true uh, for this season as well. Where can they find you on Twitter? It's going to be at Andrew Dwan MLB. Very good. Also joining us from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, is Job Goddard. Job, how are you? Doing great. It's good to see that Andrews finally, you know, understands what it's like to have a late night recording session, Terry. He's <laughs> a couple hours behind us. So yeah. this is uh this is entertaining. But uh I wish this game ended in seven innings. I'm gonna just leave it there. Yeah, they uh, they got wet and wrist injury, and the outcome was no different. So um, we'll get into that as we uh, go through the show, though, and uh, do a quick little deep dive into uh, how we feel about the umpires. Um, so split for the series. I'm not going to lie, I'm still in a pretty foul mood from Game 3 of the Philly series, uh, basically resting the entire heart of the order besides Devers, and uh, finally got going tonight uh, in the second game after seemingly taking last night off (laughs) in the uh, Garrett Richards start. But let's get into studs and duds. Andrew, you're in the leadoff position. Who's your stud for the series? Mine was Ottavino. He came in tonight. He came in with the guy on first and uh, just immediately got the last out of the inning. And then he came in and 
uh, the next inning, and he was lights out, and that slider was silly tonight. I don't, I'm sure the rain probably helped <laughs> make it move a little bit more, but he's been lights out lately. It's been very good to see his ERA has dropped uh, significantly. It was pretty high there for a second, but he is down to um, – he's in the threes now. I think he's in the mid-threes. No, it's even uh, even lower uh, than that. What is that? Is it? Oh, yeah, it's three two now. So this is who we wanted to get. Uh, he wasn't there at the beginning of the year, but hey, it looks like he's found it. Yeah, so this is a this is our setup guy, and if he can continue this dominance with Barnes doing what he's doing this season, that's a pretty lockdown uh, back end of the bullpen. Job. Yeah. No, I think. He was very good tonight. The one thing I really liked from him tonight was he got it done on very few pitches. Uh, he was able to command the zone and then get guys out on his slider outside the zone, which has historically been the way that he goes to get strikeouts. And if he can do that for the majority of the rest of the season, we're going to be in good shape. Um, the entire bullpen performed pretty well tonight outside of a little hiccup by Andres. But if you can't feel the ball, then I'm not going to hold that against you. Uh, in this weather, great performance by Ottavino, especially when you know they had a guy on base. It's still a close game, and you're coming out of a rain delay. It almost feels like a different game. If he gives up a couple of runs there, we probably lose tonight. Ottavino hasn't given up an earned run since May sixth in the Detroit series, so it's it's been a few minutes since he's uh, given up any. You got to go back to May second before that. He got tuned up pretty good against the the Rangers, and um, even his walks are down, so he's been pretty reliable. His stuff is finicky. His slider has to be on for him to be as dominant as he is. So I'm not sure how sustainable this is, but he's certainly, um, you know, given the other team hell and by and large comes out in the eighth inning and uh, came out for an extra out tonight as well. So um, don't have a whole lot to gripe about. And uh, like Andrew said, his... ERA is uh, down to three point two and could very well dive below three here uh, if the if the run continues. Job, your stud for the series. My stud's a little unorthodox. I'm going to go with Santana as my stud for this series. He only had two at bats in game two. Didn't get a hit. Didn't do anything tremendous defensively, but he took probably the biggest walk that the Red Sox had in a couple of weeks. Uh, to pass the bat along to Christian Vasquez, who's been scuffling a little bit. Um, and Vasquez put the bat on the ball and drove in two runs in the gap uh, when he was pinch hit for Dahlbeck. Dahlbeck historically does not walk. All he does is strike out uh, with men on base. So it's it's been important to us to have some spark in that spot. And so far, Santana's answered the bell each and every time. And in the second at-bat, I know it was an, it reached on an error technically, but he stung that ball to the shortstop. Uh, and that could have easily gone as a hit if it was a, maybe a foot or two to the right. So I'm going to go with Santana as my study. He kept the line moving. Andrew? Yeah, and he had a nice triple down the line last night. Um, 
which could have got the Red Sox going, but obviously the bats went quiet right after he was, I think he got stranded there, which sucked. Um, yeah, his impact's been felt. He's been a hell of a signing. I can't believe no one else gave him at least a major league deal. I mean, the Red Sox gave him a minor league deal with, you know, an opt out. So I'm glad he got over that foot infection. He's super versatile. He'll play whatever position we need, kind of like Marwin and, you know, pretty much every other guy on the roster. But he's more of a weapon with his uh, with his bat. And even if he gives us 75% of what he was in his breakout year a few years ago, that that's that's amazing. His breakout year was definitely an anomaly. 28 home runs, I think seven was the most he had hit in a season prior to that. But two out of his three hits so far since being called up have been home runs. So, um, you know, if you get if you get 20 out of him, well, and maybe even at this point, th- that might be shooting for the moon because the season's almost a third of the way done. But you know, if you get 15 or so, that that's a, a pretty productive um, season for, for him and certainly could give the bottom third of the order more stability. So, Well, he just doesn't strike out, right? He just he puts the bat on the ball, and that's something Cora really emphasized, especially in his pregame press conference tonight, which will be third, uh, sorry, Wednesday night um, for the listeners. Cora mentioned how they can't keep squandering runners by not putting the bat on the ball when there's runners in scoring position, so strikeouts are no longer going to be tolerated to the degree that they have been. And then he goes and takes the biggest strikeout guy uh, in the lineup in Bobby Dahlbeck, who also has power, right? And in that situation early in the season, Dahlbeck's hitting 10 times out of 10. Um, But he pulls him for Santana, who's more of a contact hitter. Santana takes an eight-pitch walk uh, and, and passes the baton along. I just... I love the presence in the lineup where you can go get a guy who's going to work a tough at-bat. You know, Marwin Gonzalez works a tough at-bat as well. But if you have multiple guys who are taking six, seven, eight pitches and then putting the ball in play, I love it. Yeah, we'll see We'll see how much more he continues uh, to develop. And he's just another guy. I mean, we have always three guys on the roster that can play every position. So, um you know, the versatility should uh, keep him with the big club. My stud for the series, uh, one of the more obvious ones, probably next to JD or maybe even more than JD at this point, has been a stud more times than anyone this season. Raphael Devers had a clutch two-run homer tonight in the fourth inning. And came with two outs, and I've noticed a lot of his home runs in recent games have come with two outs. I don't even know if he's even aware of how many outs are on the board when he steps into the batter's box. It just seems like his approach is the same. He tries to mash the ball. Um, We kind of saw him hitting uh, for just contact in in general tonight i know the home run went to went to dead center he was just able to barrel it up but his average is a little bit lower this year and i think he's just been swinging for the fences too much so i'd like to see him just focus on putting it in play i I think the home runs are going to be there he's a top five or ten guy in the league as far as exit velocity he can mangle a ball um 
So I, I just kind of like to see more of that than than an all or nothing approach. But um, you know, continues to be one of the top home run guys. Trey Mancini with the Orioles is just out of his mind right now. <laughs> I think is leading the league, but um, Devers could certainly catch him. And it's so late right now. I forget how the scoring sequence went. Did Devers? I think he tied it, didn't he, with that home run? It was three to three. Um, yeah, yeah and then, tried it. it went two run shot to make it three to three after going down three one. Yeah, and then Austin Riley uh, got ahead, and then uh, uh, yeah, and then Vasquez uh, drove some in. But yeah, thoughts on Devers, Andrew? It was good to see him home run, homer off a of fastball. He's been absolutely terrible um, against this year. Going into that at bat, he was hitting one eighty eight on the season versus fastballs. So. Uh, if he can turn that around because he sure hasn't been catching up to him, that's going to be a great development. They do need it. Like you said, he has been striking out a ton. He's um, almost falling on his ass on a lot of these swings. So I don't know if he needs to shorten it up because we don't need him to hit 45 home runs. Like 50, 50 double Devers is an MVP candidate. Uh by himself right there. So hopefully this gets him going. I know Cora said he was taking more BP lately. Um, because it's just odd that he's been so bad against uh, fat, like four seamers, two seamers, and sinkers so far. I, I mentioned in the, in the last show we didn't want to get too into it because he was also a stud in that show. But Andrew Benintendi changed his his approach to being wanting to be a home run guy to increase his value as a future free agent and that bit him. So I'd hate to see Devers get too home run happy is what, you know, I was kind of getting at and what, you know, you kind of pointed out with him nearly falling on his ass. I just, he's such a good hitter and he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to deviate from that. So Job thoughts on Devers. Well, I wonder if maybe he's pressing a little bit, knowing that if the middle third of the order doesn't produce, then they lose ball games. I wonder if he's kind of listening to the noise a little bit. He is still young, despite the fact that it feels like he's been here forever. Um, and I wonder if maybe the fact that he's being relied on a lot is starting to press on him, and that's why he's kind of swinging out of his shoes on some of these. Uh, he's number five in home runs in the big leagues right now behind guys like Acuna Jr., Vlad Guerrero leads the league, Otani. So he's up there. Um, he's only down by two home runs on Vlad Guerrero Jr. And could easily win that crown if he keeps swinging out of his ass. But that's not what's best for the Red Sox. So you kind of put the nail in, uh, hit the nail on the head there, Andrew, when you said $50 double Devers is what we're looking for. If he can keep planting him off the monster, he's going to be a beast. And with the protection that he has behind him with Xander Bogarts, he doesn't ever need to worry about swinging at the fastball he can shorten up the barrel take those fastballs the opposite field even if it's not you know a double or a home run even if he hits a couple of singles Xander Bogarts and the guys behind him are going to drive him in so I wonder if maybe he just press it a little bit too much but he's been fantastic in this series and when you need him to step up he seems to always get a hit uh, as for honorable mentions in the lineup Christian Vasquez had a two-run single tonight, which kind of started to put the game out of reach. It gave the Red Sox a little bit of a buffer. He has had a terrible month of May, his numbers slipping, especially uh, his OBP. He does continue to grind away at, at bats, but we're just not quite seeing the production we were seeing in April. So hopefully tonight 
maybe provides a spark for a, a better month of June. La- he also drove the ball to deep right field uh, for the sacrifice fly uh, after we came back from the rain delay. So it was good to see him barrel up the ball a couple of times for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Garrett Richards, I thought, was solid enough. Uh, the Nesson crew was a little tough on him, and I, I thought he was a little tough on himself in the post game. but he went five and two-thirds, gave up six hits, three earned runs, walked four, struck out four. I will say this about the walks. They were spread out over the course of the start. Uh, you know, one... Only one walk ended up coming around to score, and that was in the uh, third inning, uh, Contreras. But but not not a bad uh, performance there. Salamora came into a tough situation with uh, with runners on, uh, intentionally walked I think Freeman, and then kind of struggled uh, in his next at bat with a splitter, and then on three consecutive fastballs managed to get a strikeout to end the inning. Uh, which was kind of fun to watch. Uh, and then Whitlock, uh, you know, I, I don't like the way Cora is utilizing him because I, he's just so good. He's got a 185 ERA. I just would like to see him more in high leverage. But pitched two innings, um, gave up just one hit, struck out two. And then, of course, tonight Nick Pavetta continues to be solid, continues uh, with his undefeated streak, Six innings, seven hits, four earned runs. Got off to kind of a, a tough start, but settled in nicely. Uh, two walks, struck out nine. Josh Taylor continues to not give up any runs uh, in the month of May so far. And then Andrew covered Adam Ottavino. Any uh, any thoughts on the pitching? Well, yeah. I mean, neither starter had their plus-plus stuff, but they managed to hold this lineup to – minimal damage, which is great to see. Um, you know, there yesterday, Azuna was in the lineup. So you had three, per, you know, could be MVPs in that lineup. And Richards held him to, he gave up two and Salamara allowed one inherited run to score. That, that's pretty good. That That's working around damage because you're not facing a lot of lineups with that kind of depth. Uh, that that it's an AL lineup that the Braves have have down there, so I, I was happy to see that. And then Pavetta again didn't start off great, but finished strong, striking out the side uh, to leave the game um, going into the seventh. Those are the performances that they need. No one need, they, we don't need them to be perfect. We just need them to be good enough, and they were definitely good enough. Yeah, I would say any other game where we get that from Garrett Richards, we're gonna win. All right, the Red Sox have won seven hundred. Well, they're 70% of their games, rather, uh, when they are up by four runs or when they score four runs, rather. And so if you get four runs from the offense, we look at that and go, wow, Garrett Richards is probably a stud in this series. And he, the only reason that he's not a stud in this series is because other guys outshined him, and we lost that game. So I was very happy with the pitching, especially with Josh Taylor. Coming out of a rain delay is never easy uh, for anybody, but to come out and shut down – the Atlanta Braves, after that rain delay, it was super clutch. So very happy with the bullpen. Uh, extremely pleased with the starting pitching to get six innings in both games. Especially tonight, I thought Pavetta was, you know, he was unlucky with the, the help from his defense early. His defense didn't do him any favors. Uh, and a couple of things that were scored hits I thought probably could have been scored errors. But um, he dug deep. He got us through six innings, even though he had to throw a lot of pitches to do it. 
Yeah, and with Nick Pavetta as well, the Atlanta Braves, a lot of them are somewhat familiar with him from you know pitching in the NL East. So I wasn't surprised that he uh you know he kind of seemed to get off on the wrong foot before settling in. So um you know, good job staying undefeated. Getting over to the dud side, Andrew, who's your dud? Uh, mine was Dahlbeck. He just didn't have it this series. Uh, his head was flying all over the place when he was swaying. Um, so, you know, he's back to scuffling a little bit, but uh, I'm sure they'll probably have him work on it. And I mean, there's not much more he can do at this point other than have him uh, keep pounding. So hopefully he starts hitting lefties again because it's definitely the righties that are giving him a lot of issues a lot of issues so if they can figure out a platoon that'd be great um because his bat is a weapon when he's on uh, there's no denying that and when he's on he's streaky and he he's really good and he helps the lineup a lot it, it adds a lot of depth there but when he's bad it, it's been pretty bad yeah he mashes uh mashes left-handed pitching uh and then right-handed pitching he's hitting below 100 and you notice Cora much quicker triggered tonight than he has had with Dalbeck in the past. I mentioned already, he goes to Santana. Now that he has the weapon to do that, I think we're going to see maybe Dalbeck in more of a platoon role if you can find a spot for it, especially with all these guys who can now play multiple positions. So you might see some Marlon Gonzalez at first base, if I had to guess. I just wonder if it's even worth platooning him versus sending him down and just making him figure it out. I, I... Well, that's the decision that I would have made, Perry, uh, for me. But I think the fact that they sent Chavis down and kept Dahlbeck means that that's not on the table for them. Uh, the big league club's not looking for that. I don't think they want to ruin his confidence either. Chavis has had three shots at, you know, the pros now. And it wasn't like he was doing that, that great. He struck out a bunch when he came up here. So I just think they... You want to look at the asset they have in Dahlbeck and just hope he figures it out without, you know, sending him just he'll hit 500 home runs in that Worcester ballpark, even if he just hits a pop up to right field. Well, I mean, you have Santana, you have Gonzalez, so it's not like we're going to be thin. You don't even have to call Chavis up if you don't want to. Um, Alex Spear had a tweet Dahlbeck has struck out. 13 of his last 23 plate appearances. He was uh, 0 for 4 on this series, and I think he was 2 for 7 last series with five uh, strikeouts in those uh, seven at bats. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely hasn't been good. But, well, there's the other thing is there's no one in Worcester to bring up right now other than Chavis. I think you would, and not that we need it necessarily, but you you could probably bring up a pitcher and just replace what you lost in in Bryce. Uh, I don't know. They were pretty limited with that three man bench, though, and I I think we saw it. And now that like tonight, the option to go to Santana with because they have that four man bench has opened up a lot of um, maneuvers for him. Because or else we'd you know Cordero would be playing. 75% of the time, but now they can really um, hide some of the holes. I would rather see Bobby Dahlbeck and less Frenchy Cordero than <laughs> see a three-man bench and, and have Dahlbeck be in the minors. I, I just – anything that limits playing time for Cordero is a good thing for this team as far as output goes. 
And if they're not going to send Cordero down, then they shouldn't be sending Dahlbeck down because he's the second worst hitter in this lineup. And Cordero, though, I, it seems like they're just strictly putting him against lefties at this point. Um, I don't, I don't recall in the last week, week and a half, him facing a righty, and but that also makes it. I, I don't know, kind of wonky because he can only hit lefties. Renfro can only hit lefties. And and now you have Dahlbeck that can only hit lefties. So we're looking at a lot of platoons here. And I just, I don't know. And I, how long-term is Dahlbeck for this team? I, Chavis had a couple years to try to figure it out. I mean, is Dahlbeck going to have the same amount of time to try to figure it out? Or... Is it simply better to just send him to the minors, let him mash, and let him build his trade value in the minors? Because teams are going to be he won't have trade value in the minors though, because they'll want that acquiring team will want to see him do it in the majors because they you know they'll be like, well, why don't you call him up? So you're not going to get much for him, unfortunately. But if he can figure it out, then you have a very, very, very cost controlled asset. Um, with some you know contracts coming up, I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from Dahlbeck at the deadline, um, but only if he can figure it out between now and then and and hit maybe two forty. Anything less than that, they probably hold on to him because they're not going to get what they value uh, for the asset. But if you can hit two forty the rest of the way, so bring his average up to about two twenty five and hit a couple of home runs, I think you can move him for a bullpen piece, assuming that. Tristan Cassis is close uh, to being ready, and you want to call him up in August uh, versus September, I think you can make that work. If you call him up, he gets expensive very fast. And another thing is with the labor uncertainty, if you keep him off the 40-man roster this year, he can play in the minors next year, even if there's a lockout because the union only covers the 40-man. So he'll still get that. He won't lose any developmental time. So you don't think Casas will mash his way onto the lineup? No, they're they're not going to bring him up this year whatsoever. Really? Uh, I don't know. I, it, he would turn into it. He, he he would um, go to arbitration so much faster. Uh, he'd be an instant super two guy. Yeah, it would it would literally it, the contractual obliga- obligations with that would just they would crush them. Well, it's a good thing we have Andrew on the show because otherwise I'd be I'd be getting ready to buy my Casas jersey in Boston the way he's mashing in the minor leagues right now. Um, I think I, just, he's gonna... I don't see a, a route for Dahlbeck to be an everyday first baseman for this team, and they're trying really hard to stick with him as long as they can. He's just not producing at that level now. I don't know. We expect that level of production from Renfro, right? He's hitting two twenty five. He's hitting home runs. Um, until tonight, he was playing great right field. Um, if you got that from Dahlbeck, is that enough? Maybe, but not right now with the other holes in this lineup. I'm not convinced that he won't get called up. I just want to say that I said that on a show at some point. I mean, if, if we're slumping and, and we're, we're not hitting well and this guy's mashing, I just, oh, how do you, how do you not call him up? But, um, We'll see. And I just want to say this one last thing about Chavis, just to reiterate my point. I think he's hit well enough. He's he's hit well enough. He's shown the power in the big leagues to tease these other teams. And I think if if they see him tearing the cover off the ball in AAA, 
some team is going to be convinced that their hitting program will get him elevated to a bona fide big leaguer against lefties and righties. And I think there could be value. I've never thought we're going to fleece a team for two top 10 prospects for Dahlbeck. I'm not saying that either. But, I mean, you could get something from, you know, another team, I would think. Something decent. Um, but we'll see. Well, I just, so, so, Terry, real quick, here's yeah, the problem ahead. with that, right, is both Chavis and Dahlbeck are both already 25 years old. So you're not looking at guys who are 21 and 22 uh, who are maybe going to develop it at their age 24, 25 seasons into studs. These are guys who have maybe two years before they should be expected to be at their peak performance, and they just haven't shown the ability to play every day yet. So I don't know. And I don't know that they actually expect Dahlbeck to be a long-term staple. He's probably here for a year until Casas is ready, if, if that's the case contractually. He's probably here until 2021 and then – until 2022, rather. And then Casas is probably ready and you move on from Dahlbeck. I mean, the, the worst-case scenario here is a Will Middlebrook situation where he fizzles, you didn't, you didn't move him quick enough, and then you eventually just move on. And – in fairness to Will Middlebrooks, I mean, Dahlbeck didn't quite, you know, hasn't quite had those first three months. Middlebrooks' first 90 days were better than Ted Williams' first 90 days. Like, that's how he was destroying it. So, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see with Dahlbeck. But he's just up and down, and it's it's just frustrating. And right when I started to drink the punch, he, uh, you know, he has a bad couple of series. So, uh, let's see, Job, who is your dud for the series? Uh, so my dud was going to be Hunter Renfro after <laughs> uh, the first inning. I, I think I texted you that, Terry, in our private chat. Like, hey, I'm taking Renfro already because there's nothing he can do offensively that's going to make up for these two errors. It's going to maybe cost us the game. And then he goes and hits a home run. That's a nice double eight in the game uh, over the head of Acuna and right. So I took him off the board. I'm going to go with Kike Hernandez. He was one for eight in the series, only scored one run. That's just not good enough, top of the order. He's down to hitting 260. Um, and we need a little bit more from him if he's going to be the guy at the top of the lineup because we can't be getting into situations where our big hitters are coming up and there's two outs every single time. I'd really like to see some situations where we can get it to Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts and there's still only be one out. Even if that means that there's no runs in, bases loaded, whatever it happens to be, I just I want to see those guys hit without the pressure of two outs every single time. Andrew? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going on. I'm not totally on board with that. Kike has actually been pretty good to lead off games. Um, he's hitting 333 uh, in the first inning so far this year, which is pretty solid. And he was really good in the um, the field last game. He had that, what Cora called, like the, one of the best plays he's ever seen. So I don't know. Um, he could definitely you know, work the strike zone a little bit better because he is expanding that uh, later on in the game. But I don't I, I didn't want him as our leadoff guy going into the year anyways. I, I was pretty – on board the Verdugo to lead off uh, mindset. Well, full disclosure, uh, you know, because Andrew does point out that Kige did have a good defensive play, has not been playing terribly. I, I picked him. There was a, a real lack of duds in this series, I thought, for the Sox. I thought even though we, we took a split, we played pretty well. Um, 
the guys that were in front of him, like I mentioned, were uh, Hunter Renfro, but he had a good night tonight. And then I would have gone with probably Dahlbeck, but, you know, taken for obvious reasons. So it really just comes down to being the last guy who went one for eight or worse. Um, and obviously Christian Vasquez had a great night tonight to take him off the board, even though he's been struggling. So it was really a pick, pick your poison here kind of moment. He is having a season along the lines of what his career numbers are. You know, 240 with around a 310 OBP. So I'm not going to get frustrated that he's not living up to my expectations as a leadoff guy because he's not a leadoff guy. And it's not fair to expect him to to put up that kind of production consistently. He did have a good uh, series coming into this one. And look good down in in Worcester, uh, like Andrew said. But as we approach the trade deadline, what are we going to look for in the next episode? Pitching. Well, in the next episode, <laughs> we talk a lot about the bullpen, and and I think there's solutions internally that can still give us a serviceable bullpen. Pitching maybe in the rotation. When's Zavaldi going to make his annual trip to the DL? Richard's still unproven, though. I, I'm getting a lot more confident as we go. Um, and you don't want to take everything for granted with, with Chris Sale, but he should come back fairly healthy. So maybe you do target a, a starting pitcher. Um, but maybe you maybe you look at a leadoff guy. Can Can one be had? From somewhere in the league, especially if if we're we're not going to call up Duran or Casas, so that's something I I think the Red Sox need to address, and maybe and that would solve another problem because then you put Kike in the bottom third, and that gives that part of the the order more stability as well because Kike is not an automatic out, you know, he's far from that. So, um, so. Oh, my, my dream guy, if you're looking at leadoff guys, Terry, the dream guy is Cedric Mullins from the Orioles. But you're uh, not going to get him. No, he, you're not going to get him at 26 so. years old. He's too good. But that would be the dream. Yeah. He's guy. a leadoff guy. You're absolutely right. I got him on my fantasy team, actually. Um, Yeah, so uh, my dud for the series, like Job said, there, just, there wasn't a lot to pick from. I mean, our, I'm not going to kill Andres for not being able to grip the ball in the middle of a monsoon. So um, there's just not a lot to, to pick from. So I'm going to go with the umpires. Like, why did we, why wasn't the game started, uh, you know, ended rather on the first rain delay, which lasted uh, almost three hours. And then it started raining so bad in the, in the ninth inning, they had to call the grounds crew out to lay down dirt to make the base pass you know, more runnable or whatever, you know, the, the field was deteriorating and they had to call out the grounds crew and there was no, there was no need to do that. This wasn't game seven of the world series. It was 1246 AM on May 27th in a game against Atlanta. That was way out of hand. This, I just hope we don't. Yeah. There, 
there was there was no reason to continue that. The rain delay was only three minutes less than the time of game played, so that's absolutely ridiculous. We should all be in bed right now. Um, it's you look at all the guys have gotten hit in the head this year with pitches since they've cut down on what you can grip the ball with. Like, is that what we wanted in the, you know, in the ninth inning? Do we, do we want a fastball at a guy's face? Cause he can't literally grip the, grip the ball. No, it was, it was dangerous. Uh, he could have had a hit batter. He could have had a guy pull his grind when thrown off the mound. Cause we see that all too often. It was, it was stupid. Yeah. I, I'm just going to agree with the two of you. You pretty much hit the nail on the head. I actually didn't think they called a good game from the get-go. I thought the strike zone was a little out of whack there from the beginning uh, with the inside corner being too wide uh, and just giving both pitchers a lot of leeway, which I generally am am not in favor of because I like to speed up the time of game a little bit. Uh, What I do, I don't don't understand that why we played a a seven-hour baseball game. It doesn't make sense. Um, it could have ended in the bottom of the seventh. And I wonder if maybe there's a a reason for that with TV and all the other games having already been played and or called off. That they're well, the Braves didn't want to lose. They're in a tight race. I mean, that's, I think, what it came down to. Yeah, I think the Braves were kind of holding out. Officially, it's up to the league to um, decide it. Maybe the Braves influenced it. You could be right, but uh, yeah, officially it's up to the, the home team to decide whether the game should start. Once the game starts, it's the umpiring crew that ultimately makes the decisions after that. So there could be a policy in place that was just agreed on this year and that we're not aware of, but um, terrible decision to to continue it regardless. Well, you know, if the, if the game goes a different direction, the bad umpiring becomes a story, right? So this is a story that we're talking about. People are grabbing about for a day, maybe two. But if somebody gets hurt, say Barnes gets hurt when he comes in there in the ninth, well, then it impacts the Red Sox playoff chances immensely. Or if you had, uh, you know, if Andres goes up there and he throws meatballs and you don't go get Barnes and all of a sudden it's a tie game, and the umpires were calling Devers out on strikes on balls three, four inches outside because they wanted to get done before the rain came again. Like, it, the game was just not umpired correctly the whole, whole way through. It, it's unfortunate because it ruins such a good product. Yeah, and just last night, Joe West set the all-time record for most games umpired, and this is going to be his last season. Apparently he'll retire. He'll, he turns 69, I think in, in October. And I was just thinking he's getting out at the right time because the technology is coming in. They're testing it in the minors. You're going to most likely have robot umps, which I'm not crazy about. Cause I, I do enjoy the human element, the unpredictability, the drama. And I know some of us disagree with that on the podcast, but, um, but yeah, so all of that's going to eventually just go away in favor of the technology, like I said. Uh, not really any dishonorables to get into. Renfro is 0 for 4, but it's his first game back. Um, and uh, we'll just, I mean, no one hit well in, in the first game, but a lot of them um, came back in the second game. So. Uh, we'll just get into the Marlin series. We're flying right through this episode. It's only a two-game series, so I, I guess that kind of helps. Um, 
off day on Thursday. Marlins come in on Friday. I haven't paid enough attention to them, admittedly. They are trending right around 500, just one game under, actually. But they're in a very wide open National League East, so I'm, I'm sure they're they're showing up to uh, to give us hell. Cody Poteet versus Martin Perez. Perez has a 2.22 ERA in his last five starts, so um, they're catching Perez at the wrong time, but um, are either of you familiar with the Marlins starter for game one? I mean, the Marlins pitching as a whole has actually been really good this year. Uh, Petit has a sub-2 ERA. I think it's like low ones. I was looking at it earlier. Yeah, he's a 1.06 <clears throat> ERA in three games, 17 innings, 13 yeah, strikeouts. They usually struggle against these kinds of guys <laughs> the they first do. time that they see him. So, yeah, we, it's all going to depend on the weather and hopefully, you know, the bats come to play here because – if if they're right, they should be able to take the series. Joe, thoughts on game? So Terry, one? I thought I saw that. I thought I saw you said that it was a two game set, but it is a three game set. Um, it is three, just, yeah. Just to look at it, um, and I think game one, you know, as much as I'm a Perez Day guy, might be the game that we drop in this series, or one of the games that we drop in this series. My reason being is the Sox lineup um, under Cora has never played well after he gives them an off day. Not necessarily a scheduled off day, but any of the guys that he takes out of the lineup when he does these big rest days, like that last game in Philadelphia you were talking about, they necessarily don't perform well the following day. And I'd really rather them not, like, you know, they've had two games off in in a four-game span. I'm not expecting a lot of offense in that game from us. So with live by Martin Perez, die by Martin Perez, I'm expected to drop that game for sure. I'm just going to take it at face value and, and go with Perez, ride the hot hand. Um, you're, you're right about the, the off days, though, because, I mean, J.D. Martinez, one for eight, Bogarts, um, one for six, although he did walk twice tonight. Uh, so hopefully they do uh, get that going tonight. And I'm looking at the weather, and it's not Saturday's definitely going to be a wash. Let's uh, see what the t- start time is for that. A four ten. That's a four ten game. Yeah, so I, that might. Uh, I don't know. It's gonna gonna be dicey. That would play as far into as... the Red Sox. That would play into the Red Sox favor. Uh, if you look at that pitching matchup, we have Nate Evaldi going against Tyler Rogers. Uh, Rogers has been their number two, um, but I've seen a lot of him, and he's been absolutely lights out. Uh, he is probably uh, at this point the most underrecognized pitcher in that division, uh, and he could easily be a number two on a lot of staffs. Uh, he's electric stuff, um, fastball, curveball, changeup, and a slider, I believe. Um, and he just attacks hitters. He doesn't walk guys. He's got almost 70 strikeouts on the season in about 56 innings pitched uh, in a ERA in the low ones. Andrew? Yeah, I'm not worried. That's the first full game with uh, fans. That place is going to be loud as hell. Um, and I think they're going to get a bounce from that. That's an excellent point, actually. Uh, Rogers has uh, an 11.1 strikeout per nine, so does strike out a healthy amount of guys like – 
Job says, only 23 years old. So, you know, one of the pieces from their rebuild. So it will be kind of interesting to get a look at him. Avoldi's kind of in a pattern where every other start's good, every other start's bad. So he is coming off a good start. So hopefully he can just keep building uh, on that. Uh, I kind of think I, I, Rogers apparently three out of his five starts this month have only gone five innings. So um, not sure what to expect. But like Andrew says, typically if we haven't seen a guy before, um, it doesn't go well. It happens to us against the Tampa Bay Rays all the time. They call someone up from Double A, and we get shut out. Uh, Sunday's game does look a little bit better, uh, better as far as the weather goes. Sandy Alcantara versus Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, Alcantara is their ace, if I'm not mistaken. He is, and he's been getting really bad luck as far as balls in play uh, have been kind of eating up the defense when it comes to that, and balls have just been dropping in front of guys. So he has not been performing, as far as numbers go, uh, as well as you might expect. But he definitely scares me. If we don't get the Eduardo Rodriguez that we were getting at the beginning of the season, and we get the guy that has been we've been getting of recent, we could very easily drop that game. And I sound like a super pessimist right now because I just picked the Miami Marlins in at least two of three, uh, maybe even three of three, so... I'm a little worried about this game. Yeah, again, I'm going with the crowd in afternoon game on a Sunday with Monday off. I'm not too worried. I think that I really do think the Red Sox are going to show up and take at least two of this one, two two games of series. Well, I hope Andrew's right and I'm wrong. Let's put it that way. I always root for Andrew, but game three is in the toilet as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Rodriguez, everything's over the plate. He gets slapped. Rick Porcello was the same way in 2019. Neither one of these guys walk a ton of people, so it's not like they're wild when they get up there. But he's just getting absolutely slapped, and they've switched out different catchers, and I don't I don't well, know. Well, he's had a couple of days now with the off days to work with Dave Bush. Um, on the day that would be his bullpen ended up being an off day for the team. Uh, so you could see... Maybe some mechanical changes, simplification of the delivery from Erod. I always think there's a possibility he's going to bounce back and be absolutely dominant. Um, so I don't ever count him out, especially in May. Uh, you know, on May 27th, I'm not going to count him out. But uh, we shall see what we get from him in this game. And if we get vintage Eduardo Rodriguez, 2019 Eduardo Rodriguez, this could be a 1-0-2-1 game, and it could be one of those ones that we win in a close game, which we have not been good at winning in low-scoring games this season. The only one that stands out is the game against the Mets. Well, I hope you're right, and you know if we're gonna if we're gonna make a serious run at the playoffs, and we're slipping. Let's face it, Tampa's coming on. I picked them to win the division, and I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be tough all season long, uh, but. If we're going to get serious, we definitely need Rodriguez to to get it together. So if it happens this weekend, uh, that would be great. And we're still early in a, in a very tough run of, um, of tough teams. So we'll see what's going on. Joe, do you – or maybe Andrew knows too. Um, Sixto Sanchez, is he going to come back at all or – I know he's been out. Uh, as a Sixto Sanchez fantasy owner, I wish I had the answer to your question. Okay. Uh, he's been dealing with a strain. 
and they don't really have a timeline for his return. It's just not listen is not available at this point. They're hoping, as last I heard, they're hoping for a, a mid July um, spot for him. But by that time, they could be out of it, and then who knows if they push him. So we'll see. As, at this point, there's no news. The strain is that in his arm? Uh, I believe it's in his shoulder. Oh, shoulder. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, shoulders are tough. I was just wondering because, uh, you know, I'm just wondering if, if they, uh, if they're going to get serious about a run. He's certainly a guy that, that they would need in their rotation. So, uh, their rotation has been dominant. You know, they've been absolutely dominant even without him. If they add well, him true. to the mix, and especially with a tight, a tight race that's going on now, they could be competitors. And all of their pitching staff is under 25. So they're going to be good for a long time, even if Sixto Sanchez misses the rest of this year. And they probably have more flexibility than anyone in that division to to do something in July if they want to make a move. So Definitely. And Kim Ang is probably going to come out firing. Um, I would expect big things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I guess on that note, we will wrap. Uh, 24 hours from now, you can find the uh, Red Sox Deep Dives episode. So that will be Friday morning. You can find that one. And then Jason, Charlie, and I will be back on Sunday night to discuss what did happen in this Miami Marlins series. Everyone take care.